0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. What we were doing this morning, I want to challenge and encourage you all, good morning by the way, that you can have that every day all the time. One of the greatest joys of Christianity is you can wake up and just know Him and be with Him. And uh, there's nothing like growing yourself into a place where nothing grabs your heart more than waking up and knowing that you're His and He's yours and you're going to live your day from that place. Amen? So I just want to encourage you that this isn't a worship moment that has to end. It's something that can teach us what's possible we can have. When this brother started singing out of his heart, singing new song, sing singing new song, and he's just flowing... Man, you can just go like that. When you understand where he's coming from, you go like that for a long time. Amen? And you just get off and start singing. And I'll tell you what happens when you're alone and nobody's around and you're just singing out of your heart. Your heart starts to see what you're saying. And that grace comes on you. You know, we think, well, we sing and God comes. Well, I think worship's more of a gift to us. Because when we sing the truth of who he is, who he is gets so bright in our hearts and it makes the difference. Amen. We're not enticing him to come. He's already here, but he's being made known. He's being made real through our worship. So, in your biggest trials and your biggest calamities, the temptation is to fall apart and just become a product of the mess. And there's a greater answer in Jesus. I'm telling you, we got to paint a way bigger picture than what's going on right now, you know, in our lives, because he really did raise from the dead. It's not so someday it all works out and we're with him. It's so that He's with us now and we're in Him. Amen. Come on, it's so we can live our life in the Spirit, by the Spirit, and live our life according to truth. Amen. So, uh, I don't know, I keep hearing a thumping. Is that disturbing anybody? Do you guys hear that? I don't know if it's my mic or if it's... Okay, I was just hearing that. I heard it last night and I didn't know if I had a wire loose. or. But uh, good, if it's not distracting anybody. Listen this Easter morning. Good, morning. Good morning. I'm glad you're all here. This is exciting to me to be here with you. And uh Luke 24, I'm just going to do this, I, don't, I rarely do this on holidays, go right to like the resurrection story, but it just seems fitting in my heart right now. You say, what do you mean you rarely do that? I, I just kind of preach out of my heart and share what the gospel's all about. Listen, if we, can, if we can get in our heart why he came and what he did and let it be our reason for being, we'll see everything that happens through that truth and it'll change everything about how we respond and how we're doing. No one will ever again, and no situation and no thing will ever again be able to dictate how you are, your destiny, or your legacy. I'm serious. On, on your, on, on somebody's worst day towards your life, you can actually respond like Christ did on the worst day in our lives. In other words, his idea was to never change his mind about you. His idea was to woo you through his goodness and his grace. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. His idea was to give his life so you could live. I just want to follow that. He's he's my hero. He's more than my savior. He's my model for life. Jesus is amazing to me. He's my friend. I don't mind calling him all that stuff. That offends folks sometimes. Sometimes we think that's irrelevant or irreverent. It's it's He wants that relationship. He lives inside of us, guys. Like, he lives in me. He'll never leave me. He's always there. I whisper to him in the middle of the night, and he's right there. Sometimes he touches me in a tangible way. Sometimes he speaks back, and sometimes I just know he's there. And it's just fun. Just is, man. Knowing He's real changes everything. This is why He did what He did, so that we could have intimacy with Him again, so that we were no longer separated from Him again, so that we didn't have to live from afar, pray from afar, that He's in us and we're in Him. and One plus one is a way stronger one. Yes. Now I want you to see this in Luke real quick, and then I'm going to do something real quick in a, John, I preach out of it all the time. If you've ever listened to me on anything, you've heard me preach on John chapter 20. But it's just fitting and I won't be long. It's Easter morning. I know our families are going to spend time together today and that's awesome. I think we're going to receive communion and this will be good. It'll take us right to that place. And I'm just going to give you a little thing that's on my heart this morning and jump down and, and let this morning unfold even more. So I want you to see this. Uh, Jesus has risen from the dead and in Luke 24 and he's appeared to his disciples and he's asking them why their hearts are troubled. And you have to understand that man has, through the fall of man, has become consumed by the fear of death. That's to end for the Christian. The fear of death is not Christianity. If you read in Hebrews, he's, he's the end of the fear of death to the Christian. We have been held captive all our life and in bondage to the fear of death. All we can see is this life and we treasure it and covet it. We nurture our flesh and we live sentimental and we love each other and our families and death just freaks people out because we can't see past now. Jesus was on the earth and they were captured by the fear of death. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And, and, and he says that he's only sleeping and they're afraid to go to Judea because they know the last time they were there, he tried to stone Jesus and they're with Jesus. So the stones will probably get over on them too. And, and they said, Jesus, if, if he's sleeping, he's going to be okay. He'll sleep it off. <laughs> That's what they mean. And he said, well, let me just tell you straight. He's dead. They anyway, went. He said, "And I'm glad for your sakes that we weren't there. So let's go that I can get him up." And nobody said, "Huh? Wait, what? He's dead. You gonna get him up?" Thomas said, "Let's go die with the master." He's talking about life, and all they can see is death. He said, let's go get Lazarus up from the dead. And they said, hey, aren't we committed to him? Aren't we his disciples? Didn't we give it all up to follow him? Hey, if he's going to die, let's go die with him. He wasn't going to die. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But all they could hear was death. Probably four times in the gospel, he said, I'm going to be turned over. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And they're like, huh? You're going to die? And on the third day, I'll rise. Not one of them said, huh, you're going to rise? All they heard was you're going to die. I'm telling you, it's four times he said on the third day I'll rise. And it said, and their hearts were filled with sorrow. That stuff has happened to us. you got to be very careful you don't let that happen to you. That all you can see is the death. All you can see is the problem. All you can see is the anguish. All you can see is the pain. All you can see is how life is affecting you and pressing you right now because that's the whole purpose of it. It's a strategy set against us to suppress the kingdom, suppress your true identity and suppress the authority that's in His name and and suppress the heart of God. On the third day I'll rise. It's amazing that when that stone rolled away, they were in a room huddled in fear because of the fear of death. I'm not blaming them. I'm not making fun of them. We'd have been in that room with them too. But there is a truth here that I'm trying to point out. That the fear of death has been a stronghold to men. And all of a sudden what men see overpowers what he said. What men feel overpowers what he said, but yet what he says is true. Even though no one believed he'd raised from the dead, no one was standing there to greet him, that stone still rolled away and he still sprung up from the dead because he's Lord and what he says is true. Man, it's amazing. You know, he says, I love you and you can fight it your whole life and come up with reasons why he probably can't love you and the whole time he's loving you through the blood of his son and from his heart, he loves you. You follow me? Watch this. He said, these are the words, verse 44, that I've spoken to you while I was with you. So he's saying, why are you frightened? Why are you troubled? Come on, guys. I told you all this. He said, while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he, this is what I like. This is New Covenant stuff to me. This is Holy Ghost stuff. And if He did it for them and He's not biased, He's going to do it for us, verse 45. And He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. That means when He was saying all this stuff, the fear of death was so strong they were under the law of sin and death. They were still under bondage. He didn't die. He didn't raise from the dead. The temple curtain wasn't torn yet. And they just couldn't get it. But I'm telling you, we can get it now. Our hearts aren't captive and bound and blind. They aren't damned and doomed to not see. <laughs> you can see if you want to see. You can see if you search. If you seek Him, you'll find Him. That's right. If you draw near, He'll draw near. You run and hide, He's still there. But if you draw near, He'll draw near. If you seek Him, you'll find Him. He's there to be found. He's not playing hide and seek. He's there to be found. I went in my bedroom and I found him. He was always there waiting. I opened my heart when you weren't looking. And he came. I gave myself to him and he filled me with who he was. 20 years ago, he changed my life. It's never been the same. It's it's never been the same. I always have a message in my heart. There's always joy. It doesn't matter how things are going. Sometimes things just go the way you so wish they did. Sometimes people do the craziest off the wall, can't wrap your mind around why they would. But it doesn't change what I'm talking about. But it sure changes how you respond. Sure changes how you handle it. Sure changes how you see them in the midst of it. It changes everything. He's not here to grant you a better day. He's here to grant you a brand new one that's lived from a whole new place. This gospel was never a promise of what he could do for you. If you read between these lines, it's a promise of how he can make you more like him. You've got to want that, and you'll receive that. If you want the same old feelings, you'll have them if you want them redeemed and renewed through truth and by the Spirit, your life will begin to be transformed as you challenge the old thing that never produced life. Just feeling sorry for yourself, just getting hurt, just getting frustrated has never helped us. Come on, who's ever been blessed in that arena? Who's ever produced life? He can change the way we think. He can change the way we live. Watch this. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Do you see how much he wants this for us? Do you see how much he's never changed his mind about us? Come on, get real. He initiated all this. He came through the womb of a woman. He grew up as a young boy into the stature and favor of God. He grew up as a man knowing he was heading to a day when they'd see him for something he wasn't and judge him for something he's never done. He knew it. And he did it. Come on, it speaks of your value. It means how much he believes that you have potential and destiny. He would never do this if we were just sin waiting to happen. Mm. He's doing it for redemption. He's doing it to get the lie ripped off of us to impart the truth into us. He's doing it to get us back to the beginning where God's will and God's purpose is fulfilled. God, he's not just doing this so you feel warm and fuzzy in a confused life. So that you have hope that one day you'll be in heaven. It's so heaven can come into you now and your eyes can see an agreement with him now. And even if everybody around you doesn't want it, you can know him and have peace in the midst. Yeah. Come on, you can mock me, persecute me, you can send me anything you want on that internet. You can stand up and yell at me now and walk out. You cannot take him from me. Yeah. I wasn't serious, ma'am. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't serious. <laughs> She's jumped up and left. <laughs> Come on, you understand that you can't take him from me. You can't take the peace that I have in him. And that peace isn't making me arrogant and means I don't need you, and oh, I don't care what you think, and whatever, I don't need people. I'm not talking about that. That's hardness of heart and that's weird. (laughs) No, I'm talking about not taking to heart what you think, because it doesn't change what I know. If it's just your theology, you can be shaken again and again. If it's just your doctrine you're trying to be faithful to serve, you can be shaken again and again. If you take your doctrine and let it take the place of knowing Him, you'll never be established in truth. If you grow in relationship with Him, it'll be the solid doctrine of your life. But your relationship will be the strength of your life and your feet will not move. No matter what people think or say, you know him. Nobody can keep me from hearing his voice today. There isn't a person in the world that has the power to take the peace out of my heart that he brings. There isn't one thing my wife could do. If I would go home and she was for some reason in an unfortunate situation and just say she was with another man. Let's just get raw with it on Easter Sunday. Why would I cry for me for a moment? Why wouldn't I cry for her? She's in trouble. (laughs) Amen. All we can think is what they did to me and how they hurt me and how they broke my heart and how they broke their promise. And it proves that we don't know him like we sing because he isn't crying because of them. He's crying for them and that's why he's hanging on that tree. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because if they had clear eyes, they wouldn't be in that situation. That's right. God, would you have mercy And God? Would you do something in me that brings change to them? I don't ever again want to cry because of folks. I want to cry for folks so that God hears and mercy comes from heaven into the heart of the situation. Are you guys with me? I'm sorry I got that radical with that. I could feel that just kind of shook the room a little. When somebody does something like that, it becomes our story, our world, our soap, our saga. And I'm sorry people make those decisions. I'm not being insensitive. I wish nobody would ever do that to another person. The trouble is it catches us off guard and we're drawing our identity from that thing. And, and all of a sudden, and I'm not saying it's a fun thing and I'm not saying there's not a place to cry and wish it wasn't happening, but I'm telling you it does not have to crush you. He is greater inside of you. Yes. <sighs> I want to be in a place where I'm following Him and I'm like Him and if it's possible then make it so God Holy Spirit I welcome you and I'm alone in prayer and you're not around you're not listening I'm not trying to impress you I'm impressed with Him and my prayers are sincere and God's doing it in me because I believe He will and all of a sudden you get thrown into that stuff and you don't even know how to shake anymore and fall back all you know how to do is see like He sees and think like He thinks and talk like He talks and yay we are one Come on, that would be a fun day for all of us, huh? That would make a big difference in the big picture, wouldn't it? No more up and down, only as good as things are going and hope God pulls through. How you doing, brother, hanging in there? I hope on his sandal strap, at least I don't know what's that mean, hanging in there. That does not sound spiritual hanging in there brother I don't know what that means what you're trying to say is life's been challenging life's been tough I'm doing my best to keep believing rarely have I heard a person say hey how are you doing man and he just lost his job his car's not running right and his spouse is on a tangent and rarely have I heard a person say well you know it's amazing because i got all this stuff going on and I don't see it like I used to. God's doing a thing in me and the fellowship I'm having with Him and the way He's working Oh, wow, it's amazing. But the best I've got is how are you doing, man. I'm blessed coming in and going out, praise God, the head and not the tail. And it's like a robot. Rather than, man, I'm glad you asked me because I'm growing in Him and He's doing a work in me and teaching me who I really am in the face of life and I'm seeing things different and it's changing everything. And I still got challenges, and I still got. But I'll tell you what, my heart is full. Man, I actually believe that. I just said that. I think that's my reality right now. I feel so full. It's ridiculous. Come on. Thus it was written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer. I read that, and it wants to make me pull away and cry. He came, guys. He came. He thinks so much of our destiny that He would do something so dramatic as crucifixion? Come on! That had to be ridiculously like... oh. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. He's already beaten to a pulp and then they lift him up and everybody's gawking at him and he's probably stripped naked for shame. He did that so you could come alive in him and live what you were created for. He did that so we could see what love really looks like. He's not mad at any one of you. He's not judging you and condemning you. It's not the scowl and reprimand of God that will change your heart. It's the goodness of God. It's you knowing that you haven't done right all the time. It's you knowing you knew better and did it anyway. And God's saying you have better destiny, better potential, and I know you can do this thing. It's the love of God that changes us. People say, well, it ain't just the love of God. It's the judgment of God. Read your Bible. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The love of God covers a multitude of sin. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. You tone down a harsh word with a kind word. You don't repay evil for evil. You overcome evil with good. I read this book. Come on, guys. We can follow Him. On this morning, we can settle in our heart. We are not doing church. We are not just a part of outreach. We are not just doing Easter Sunday. We are God's people, and He lives in us, and He's changing everything. (laughs) Yeah? Or you teach yourself religion, and you teach yourself how to sing Holy is the Lamb and let everything else decide who you are and all of a sudden you're being pottered by life instead of the one that gave it and all of a sudden you look like the thing you got your eyes on instead of the one that lives in you and that would be perversion now that he shed his blood that would be a shame true he would not have died on the cross if you didn't have great potential if he didn't believe the best about you and believe it was possible and ready to give every ounce of grace necessary to change things he wouldn't have done what he did I was years and years ago, probably barely a year saved. I got a vision in worship one day. I was singing in my bedroom, and I got this picture of Jesus crucified on the cross. It was, it was, it was gruesome and glorious. Because as I saw it, it was like, and at the same time, I got it. You know, people looking, like, oh, you shouldn't have did this for me." No, yes, you shoulda. Because you know who I am. You knew me from the beginning. Before I was seen, you saw me. You know what I'm capable of when you're in me. You know what my life looks like when I'm submitted to you. Thank you for what you're doing. This is so humbling. I'll give it all to you. I get it, Lord. Thanks for your love. It's not a prayer to go to heaven. It's heaven coming back into you and you being restored back to what you were in the beginning apart from sin. (laughs) Yay. I know I'm passionate. I'm sorry, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm just not trying to scare you. I, this gospel is amazing. Yeah. Guys, he died and rose again. Oh my God. This is not just our belief system. <laughs> <gasps> well, what church do you go to, Brian? Well, what denomination do you? Ah! I'm in love. He's in me and he changed me. I'm not a denomination. I love Jesus. He is my everything. (sighs) Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the crisis of it. This is the third time I'm reading this. You guys figured that out, right? (laughs) I'm trying to get past it. It's hard. And to rise from the dead the third day. The end of Romans 4 says, because He rose, you're justified. Through His resurrection, we're justified. The word justified means just as if you've never sinned. You stand in the sight of God as if you were always innocent. Probably good to get a veil off your face and enter into Him and just let Him begin to love you and receive you. And you just respond to Him and stand what Colossians says, holy, blameless, and above reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith believing it, and don't let anything change your mind. It's Colossians chapter 1. It's there. Why did he do this? Why did he rise from the dead? That repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. What's the purpose and what's the reason? Watch. We've turned it into a prayer to go to heaven. It's repentance. That's not, I'm sorry, Lord. Repentance is changing the way you think. I used to think for me. Now I'm thinking for him. I used to think for me. Now I'm thinking for you. You follow? He 180s everything, guys. I used to be afraid to get my hope up. Now I'm getting my hope sky high. I used to look at what I see and believe it and let it shake me. Now I'm looking at what he said and I'm holding on in faith and I'm looking through new eyes. There's a shift of repentance. is changing the way you think. Right? And remission of repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Remission of sins. They're removed, guys. I'm going to show it to you in John and I'll be done. It'd be the quickest I ever preached. No, it's good. We got Easter morning. We got communion. We don't have to get out of here. We don't have to stay all day. That won't measure us spiritually. The reason we come today is hear what God's saying. Stay tuned in to what we've become. Stay fixed and focused and stirred in loving good works. And hopefully the point is leave here looking more like Him than when we came. More inspired to be hungry and go after Him. Receive of Him and meet with Him in the secret place of our life. Amen. It's great that we pray together. It's great that spouses pray together. It's all that's tremendous. But I'll tell you, the greatest place it can come from is because you know him when nobody's around because you have this thing going on with Jesus. And you're driving in your car, and your stereo is not just entertaining and taking up space and time. You're actually hearing what they're singing. It's rocking your heart, and you're like, Jesus, you did that. You're amazing. You really see me that way. Whoa, keep your hands on the wheel, keep your eyes on the road, but I'm telling you what, it's really cool. A single mama passed me with her three kids years ago and I'm coming back up back road and they said, hey, here comes Pastor Dan and I'm driving by and I'm like, I'm laughing and talking and my hand's gone and it's like somebody's sitting there and there's nobody there. <laughs> and they just went, and, I went and they went, and they, she said, the van got silent. Because I watched out the window like, hey, and I'm so busy communing with the Lord. I was laughing. He was ministering to me. I don't even know what was going on, but we were, I know what we have together. <laughs> We got this thing going on. And it ain't a secret. (laughs) She blew by me and I blew by it. The kids just got signed. I was a wise mother. She went about a quarter mile down the road. She said, kids, you just saw why he is the way he is. We just experienced him not on the platform at our church, but in his car on the back road. And that was really good. We can all have what we just saw him having. Be encouraged by that, children. Now you got to see why he is like he is. You should see what the church used to do to me when I pastored. They'd come to my kids behind It wasn't good. It was out of order. It didn't bother me. I have nothing to hide. They'd come to my kids. They'd come to my kids when nobody was around. Hey, is your dad really like that at home? Do you ever seem mad and angry? Does he ever get? Is your dad always like that? And you know what they're fishing for? to suppress their convictions and have a justification to stay the same and not be hungry and press in. So, so watch. So they're going to let my life decide their truth instead of Jesus' life. Yeah. And all of a sudden, if my kids would have said one thing negative, they'd have said, oh, see, hmm. And then they'd have never been able to hear me clearly. They'd have let their heart get hard. They'd have judged the gospel through my words, and they'd have never followed Jesus and been deceived. <sighs> Don't you do that stuff to your soul and your heart? You look to him and you follow him. Don't you look for some way out when you have a way in? <laughs> oh, I'm preaching good on Easter morning, man. Man, I can feel it. John 20, are you there? It's amazing, and I'll be a, I'll be a rap here. I preach this all the time, John 20. I've preached this a thousand times, but it's fresh, so alive. Jesus is raised from the dead, you women are amazing. The women, you know, you women are amazing. I hang around some ladies. I, I led intercession for years. And, you know, you just say, now listen, Jesus. And when you say Jesus, they're like, oh, Jesus. And I'm like, I said, God, if you don't do something in my heart, I can't even hang with these girls. You gotta, you gotta put Mary, Esther, you gotta put all them ladies in me so that I can even sit with these girls. Because I mean be just talk about Jesus. I'm looking, they're all crying. I say, what? They said, Jesus. Like, okay, okay, I get it, girls. But we're gonna pray now. And they're like, Jesus. <laughs> but that's when they look. They know he's dead. But he's behind that rock. He's dead. They can't move the rock. But they're going. They're taking anointing spices. He's dead. They can't even get behind the rock. But they're going because they know he's there. It's as close as they can get. It's just amazing. The guys ain't going. They're afraid. They're huddled, fear. Dude, I can only imagine. This isn't scriptural. But I just paint pictures, you know. Why are you even going? He's dead. It's over. Face reality. You can't get behind the rock anyway. Well, if you, Peter, would come and help us move the rock, maybe we could get... <laughs> I ain't going out there. I ain't doing that to me. <laughs> well, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they get there, they get there and I mean, they're just honoring him. He's the best thing that ever was and ever will be. <laughs> he, he rebukes Peter because Peter said, these things will never happen to you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. He gets a revelation that he's the Christ. Blessed are you, Simon Jones. He said, blessed are you. And then three verses later, get behind me. You're a stumbling block. Why? Why? He's misunderstanding the whole thing. He gets a revelation that he's Christ. He says, these things aren't happening to you. No, it was sentiment. He's saying, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. You are the best thing that ever happened to me. Ain't nobody killing you. Missing the whole point. Just taking Jesus personal for his sake. Not realizing that Jesus wanted to multiply the beauty of who he was in Peter so many more could get blessed like he was. So he just wanted to covet Jesus. <laughs> they ain't taking you. Uh-huh. He even tried to act on it with the, remember? Yeah. He wasn't trying to trim that guy's ear to back him off. <laughs> Guy just ducked. <laughs> Come on, you don't swing a sword to clip an ear. <laughs> you swing a sword to cut a throat. And Malchus got out of the way and it clipped his ear and his ear fell off. Jesus' idea of evangelism and love isn't picking up the man's ear and saying, Oh, hey, pal. Running on the wrong side of the line, huh? Bad company, corrupts good morals. What are you doing over there, bud? See what your decisions got you into? I'll tell you what, you come on over on this side. might be that God will restore a few things in your life. That's not how he evangelizes. Do you know why? Because if he gets Malchus to come because of those reasons, he's only bringing Malchus to God for what God can do for him instead of the beauty of who he is. We make it all about us and provision and breakthrough and promises. And we try to lure people to Jesus for blessing instead of hearts given, lives given, and transformation. That's why baptism has almost slipped out of the church at large in a lot of circles. It's a a -a one-time-a-year event. No, it's the day you get saved. You let somebody put you under. When every bubble stops, they bring you up. You have new life. (laughs) The gospel. If you're a good pastor, you'll keep them down until every bubble stops. If you have faith, if you have faith, you'll wait an extra 40 seconds to a minute. And the family's like this. And you bring them up and it works every time. I'm <gasps> Just kidding. Don't do that, Roy. <laughs> I was teasing like that, and we did a spontaneous baptism. It's a true story. A young boy, he'd come crying across. We did 17 people. just kept happening. He's about number 17. I think we did some more. And they were just like, I need to give my life. And this young teenage boy's coming across the floor, and we have this. It's a hot tub, and it's it's turned on. It's really a nice way to get baptized. (laughs) But in a a hot tub, them small ones, there's only one place you can really get them under because of the humps and the seats and the... And, we, and he said, oh, he was so broken. He got in there. I said, man, I said, what's going on? And you talk to us, man. He said, I'm just ready to die. I just want to give it all up. I'm just ready to follow Jesus. I'm done playing around. He was broken. We said, let's get him under quick, man. We put him under. When we got him under, we had his shoulder stuck on the hump, and we couldn't get him down. So we had him under a little longer than normal. I said, no, I'm only talking two, three seconds. But his mind started to click, and he thought... He wasn't joking. Seriously, it's a true story. And I looked at the pastor, I said, Move him over and just get him, just get him under. Because I didn't want his shoulder sticking up. Because I know how people get religious, like, His shoulder never went under. That shoulder's unsanctified. Hug him on the right side. You know? Or the hand don't come under. I know that hand's going to cause him to sin. You should have got it under. So I just wanted to get him under. It's all symbolic to the grave. They put Jesus in the grave. You go under the water. You die in the likeness of his death. And the the death he died was to sin once for all. You live in the likeness of his resurrection. It's newness of life. Reckon yourself dead to sin. You're alive unto God. Okay? We put him under. We start holding him. And he starts pushing trying to come up, and I'm not sure what's going on, and we slide him under, and we get him under, and when we bring him up, he goes, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, it wasn't like the celebration, like, oh, Jesus, thank you, he was like, (gasps) and I said, are you okay? I said, oh, my goodness, you thought we, he said, I thought you were serious, and I wasn't ready for that. I thought, he was serious, and I'm not ready for that. And I said, oh my goodness. No. And then I wanted to redunk him so he could have a better experience, but we just prayed over him and blessed him. This, this poor young man thought we were drowning him. He thought, this pastor is serious. He's intense. He has faith, but I don't. I'm coming up. <laughs> he didn't get up. We held him under. We brought him up. He was panicked. His eyes were that big, man. <laughs> Oh, help me, Jesus. Okay, let me finish this. I'm eating too much time here. Verse 15, woman, why are you weeping? I'll just catch you up to the speed. They come to the tomb. It's rolled away. Jesus isn't there. Mary loves Him. Come on, Mary loves Him. He's the best thing that ever was or will be. She's like, can you imagine what was going on in her heart? Come on. And, 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 And now He's not even in the tomb. So now just add to the confusion. Add to the turmoil. Add to the emotional duress. I mean, this is getting crazy. Bad enough He's dead. Now somebody stole Him.
1: That's in her mind.
0: And there's a thing of honor, and that culture was really about honor. And she said, this, 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 this fella happened to be Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus. Woman, why are you weeping, and who are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the gardener. Look what she said to him. Sir, if you've carried him away... Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. In other words, I'll take him personally. I'll, I'll. She would have sat by his side till she died. Probably, she just going to keep just be as close as she could get. She wanted to be with Jesus. Jesus said to her, "Mary." She turned and said, "Rabboni," which means teacher. She's like, Rabboni. Now you know she was running for him. She was going to grab him. She was like freaked out. Come on, get real with me. These are not Bible stories. This is what happened. She's she's thinking he's dead. She's thinking he's stolen. She's coming to honor him. Even though she knows he's dead, she's at least there. And now he's looking at her, talking to her, and he's alive. And she's like... Rabboni. i mean she's got to be freaked out like emotional whatever and and your eye picture her going because <laughs> she he said don't cling to me mary he didn't want her to just cling and hold and talk and tell her all. he he was so intense about what he had to do and serious he said don't cling to me I have not ascended to my father what's he saying he's saying look I just rose I didn't even get to papa yet I didn't even go into the priestly role that I need to carry I didn't take my own blood into the holy sanctuary I didn't put my blood on the mercy seat the best is yet to come this thing's just about a wrap don't cling to me I gotta go to the father take my own blood and be a high priest unto God and man forever Do you see what I'm saying and she, he, she wants to like what would you do Jesus, how is this possible? What happened to you? Where were... Well, he... Ha, right? And you, you talk all afternoon. He said, don't cling to me. you got to go. On the cross, he said, it's finished. The beating necessary, the whipping necessary to pay for the penalty of sin, it's finished. They've done enough to me. It's over. It's finished. It's fulfilled. Now it's not finished yet. He has to put his blood on the mercy seat. It's all through Hebrews 9. Read it sometime. I don't have time to teach it all out, but I promise you this is what he's doing. Watch. Don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, go to my who? Who? Well, they betrayed Him. They ran from Him. They said they were going to die for Him, and they ran. They did nothing right. Come on. They were in a room in a fear of the Jews. They weren't in faith praying. They were afraid. What did Jesus call them? Pretty awesome, huh? Yeah. Sure, it's good that he didn't come from the dead and say, you go tell those weak-willed, spineless, no-good-for-nothing followers that I should have never called in the first place. I got a score to settle with them because they really hurt me as a leader. He called him brethren. What's he saying? No matter what you feel and what you've done, I haven't changed my mind about you. I'll see you in a minute. He's saying, I love you. Brethren is a covenant family term. You know what we do sometimes? I can't believe you did that to me. can't believe you said that. can't believe after all these years, I just can't believe it. Well, it's just hard to get over. The world taught you to think that way, not Jesus. The fall of man taught you to feel that way, not Jesus. Come out of that kingdom and come into his. Come out of the darkness into the light. Be sanctified and set apart in the world, not of it. Don't be ruled by the wisdom of man in the way that seems right to man. Be ruled by the wisdom of God and the voice of God. Come on. The world taught you to feel that way and think that way. You were born into Adam, but we just got born again. <laughs> and the good thing about the gospel, it makes it clear that the born into Adam thing dies. So the new birth is a brand new baby. You come out of water baptism, Holy Spirit's like a midwife, man. He's hovering over the water. He brings definition and clarity. What was chaos? It's just like in the beginning. He takes that little baby, holds it to pop a brand new baby boy. That was me. I I baptized all by myself. I got in the water one day. I said, ooh, I was just in water. And I said, I'm going to get baptized. I didn't know if it was legal because there wasn't no pastor there. But I know my heart was right. And I said, Lord, I just said, I'm going under here and I'm just going to reckon everything dead. And I'm just going to, and I'm coming up and I thank you that I'm in you and you're in me. And I was just like, I went under, came up. It was so holy, so intimate, so amazing. It wasn't a person around. You say, well, that wasn't legal. You have to talk to Jesus about that one because he was right there. It was powerful. Amen. Don't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Whose Father is He? He's His and ours. Whoa. The word Father there means come forth from. The word God means source of life. He's your Father God. It means you came forth from the source of life. That's, right. That's powerful. You didn't come forth from Adam. You came forth from God in the beginning. In the beginning. Mary came to them and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and had spoken to them. If you read the other Gospels, you'll find that the disciples didn't believe her and weren't moved by her testimony. Probably thought she needed prayer, was hallucinating, and just wanted to see Him too bad. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week. When did He come back? Same day in the evening. We know He was on the road to Emmaus with two disciples, and right around evening when they broke bread, He disappeared, right? He had a pretty eventful day. But we know one thing, he had to ascend to the Father in, in that period of time because he said that's why. He didn't want to cling because he wanted to go to the Father. So he was on the road to Emmaus with two disciples. If you read all the Gospels, he was with them. And in the same day in the evening, he came back. Was he with the Father? Do you think he ascended to the Father? Did he say he was going to? Is he a God of his word? Yes. Did he ascend to the Father? Yes. Why? Why? He went to put His blood on the mercy seat in the heavenly sanctuary, the holy place that wasn't made with hands. And He put His blood on the mercy seat, His own blood, the blood of a man. Very important to understand. He said, touch me, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as I. He raised from the dead and said, touch me, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. He's still a man, guys. But He's still God. Name about, it's, it's important, you have to understand a man is representing men in the holy place of God. A man's blood is on the mercy seat representing all men. It's intense. Yeah! God defeated the devil and the lie and the fall through a man. Why? Because a man lost it. And he took a man to get it back. And now that man speaks forever on behalf of man. And his name is The Man, capital M-A-N, Jesus, mediator forever. (gasps) We got to get this stuff. It's powerful. Here's how you know he put his blood on the mercy seat. Same day in the evening, first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled because they were full of faith and praying for God's kingdom to come. Doesn't say that. They were full of fear and afraid of the Jews and thought they were going to be next. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and he said to them, he didn't say, guys, what are you doing? Man, I thought I could trust you. Peter, you break my heart. You said you'd die for me. You looked me right in the eyes and said you were going to die. John, you lay your chest, your head on my chest and say you love me. And then you run when I need you more than ever. Come on, he doesn't even know how to think that way. Because he's love and he's Lord. The only reason we know how to think that way is we were trained by something else along the way. He's the truth. Let's follow him, guys. What's he say to him? Peace to you. Why is that the first thing out of his mouth? Because his blood's in the mercy seat in Romans 5 says you would now have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ being justified by faith he just brought peace to the earth he just destroyed the war that sin and and, and man and God were in. He just crushed sin and took that thing away, that animosity. He took the war away. He crushed sin. He was made to be sin. Now we can be right in the sight of God. So sin no longer has a voice. It's taken away. And he says, peace to you. (sighs) Peace to you. And then he said, here's my hands. Here's my feet. And the disciples were glad and they saw it was the Lord. And then he said again to them, peace to you. You know what I believe the second piece was? I personally believe. I'm not telling you this is exactly right. It's just my conviction. I'm qualifying that. I believe the second piece was because I'm imagining and can only imagine they're thinking about how they responded. They're thinking about disowning him. They're feeling very uncomfortable because they didn't do what they said they would do. And Jesus is affirming peace to them because they're feeling a lot of stuff right now. Who ever felt stuff like that when you got around what you thought was God and you didn't feel like you were in a position to be around God? Or as you were around God and God came, you started to think about what you didn't do right and all that stuff. It just tries to happen to us and break us away. And Jesus wants to take that out. and He's like, peace to you. He says it twice. The first time is peace through my blood. You have peace with God. I think their souls were spinning. Remember the fish were in the net and he got in a boat and Peter said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Come on, I can only imagine them disciples are standing there thinking, I wish we'd have handled this different. He's amazing. Why didn't we give him our lives? Why were we afraid? Why did we run? Why didn't we die with him? Why didn't we take a stand? Don't tell me they weren't thinking that way. I think that's why he said the second piece to you. But watch this. This is amazing, guys. They had done nothing right up to this point. He just walked into a fear meeting. He just walked into an assembly of fear. The first assembly of fear. That's where he went, right into the first assembly of fear. And guess what he said? Peace to you as the Father sent me, as the Father sent me, so I send you. He didn't say, look, you guys are going to need some rehab. I'm going to have to get you on some sabbaticals, and I need a good, strong discipleship program for another year or two. No, he said, come on, you know the truth. I've imparted into you. Now you see things are all clear. I've opened your understanding. You can get this. You can walk this out. You're my choice. Now go after it. Why? The blood's speaking, guys. He can't even think about what they did wrong. The blood's on the mercy seat. All he can see is their destiny, their potential. All he can see is they're his brethren. All he can see is you have calling on you. And he says, now go fulfill it. He says, as the Father sent me, so I send we always think it's power, wonders, and miracles, but God so loved the world, He Jesus came and loved, didn't He? That's why He died on the cross, because He's a lover. He's love. So as the Father sent me, so I send you. What's He telling them? The thing that you saw in me that grabbed your heart, that saved your life, is the thing I want you to go in and grab people's hearts and see their lives saved. I want you to become the same love. I've just put who I am in you. Now you go love the world. Come on, you can see he's saying this. Watch. As the Father sent me, I send you. Watch. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Come on, he holds all things together by the word of his power. He could say, receive the Holy Spirit, and it could have happened. There's a reason he breathed, and I think we all know why he breathed. He's the redemption of man. He brings man back to original value. He brings man back to the beginning. Redemption means brought back, brought back to original value. When Jesus breathed on man, he's the redemption of man. He paid the price that only he could pay. His blood's on the mercy seat. He takes man back to day one as if sin never happened and all of a sudden does what God did in the beginning. And man becomes a living being because until that moment he was dead inside. Now Jesus breathes life back into man. A tangible breath. He breathed and said, receive Holy Spirit. Why? They were born again. It was as if sin never happened. Why? Because of the blood. This is resurrection, man. This is resurrection. And then he says something amazing. Receive the Holy Spirit. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. That's pretty simple. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. Come on, there's nowhere in Scripture that tells you you have the right or the reason to retain sin. True? Where do you see that unforgiveness is acceptable? Where do you see that you're even called to see a man for what he appears? It's that extreme. The Bible's that extreme. It tells you to not even see a man for what he appears. It says, judge no man according to the flesh. In other words, don't you regulate a man and rule a man by his outward your outward assessment of him, or even his production, you see him for potential destiny and legacy. He said, if you forgive the sins of any, they'll be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they'll be retained. It sounds like he's giving them an option of not seeing men apart from their sins, doesn't it? It always confused me. I sat on my bed a long time asking Jesus. I preach it with confidence. I believe it's correct. I don't hear people touch this scripture too much, but I believe It's correct. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they'll be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they'll be retained. Here's what I believe he's saying. Guys, if you come and love the world like I've loved you, then what's going on in your hearts will go on in theirs. But if you shut up your heart and you let the world decide who you are and decide your heart and get your eyes off of me and become a product of circumstances, get into religion, works, all this stuff, and you fail to see men for the way I've always seen you, then how will they ever know? the truth and the way to me. And how will their sins ever be forgiven if you can't forgive them when I'm in you and you're in me? You are now the body of Christ. You are the embodiment of who I am. I'm going to ascend to the Father. I'm leaving you on the earth to let your light so shine before man. So he's handing them the baton of the new covenant, New Testament church, on the day that he raised from the dead, he's handing them the baton of the new covenant, new Testament church. And he's saying, even as I am, so are you in this world. Go love the world. We've turned it into church denominations, church services, cool worship, paying homage to God, fun and excitement. We've missed it if we're not careful, but I don't believe we have to miss it. And I'm not talking about you in this room. I'm talking about at large. This is why he rose from the dead, to breathe life back into you and separate you from your sins. You say, yeah, but brother, we still sin. You're missing the whole point. And if your focus is on sin, you'll continue to do that thing and think there's no help for change. Listen, I never think sin. I never wake up and try not to sin. I never wake up and read a book on how to live the Christian life. I wake up in fellowship with Him and communion with Him and I fix my eyes on righteousness and righteousness produces its fruit to holiness and all of a sudden the things that I struggle with and was tempted by aren't even a thought in my life. Yeah? See, what are you saying? Are you perfect? You're still missing the point. That's right. My heart is pure before Him and the pure in heart shall see God. And you might be amazed and I know the tape's running and I'm going to say it. You might be amazed how pure and how by the Spirit we can live if we get our eyes and keep our eyes on Him. Because if you make the tree good, the fruit is good. And it's impossible without Him. I'm not talking blasphemy and heresy. I'm not boasting in the flesh. I'm boasting in God's grace and God's ability in a man that's surrendered and yielded. And that is no nonsense serious about walking out His love and His kingdom. So what is possible? What is possible? What does grace make a man look like if he yields? If the full measure of grace that Jesus paid for comes upon us, what's that make us look like? Has anybody even gone after that? Or have we talked ourselves out of that? Have we weighed our lives by our experiences, or are we really following him? Have we seen a pastor fall that we've respected, and now we've canceled out our hunger and our desire? And we think, well, if they didn't, then who are we... Or are we just getting alone and letting Him come upon us? This is what I was going to say a while ago, and I said the tape was running. You'd be amazed, maybe be amazed, how long you can live without the consciousness of sin or the need for repenting for sin. Some people think we're sinning while we're breathing. Some pe- preachers teach we sin all the time. I would say get born again and reckon yourself dead to sin. And alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Because he bore your sin and my sin in his body on a tree. That we having died to sin. Might live unto righteousness and by his stripes. We are healed. Yeah. He crucified Jesus Christ. Two days ago we celebrated that. What did he do? He cursed sin in the flesh and sin shall have no dominion over me. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. It says seek those things that are above and not the earth. Set your mind on things above for you died and your life is hidden in Christ. It says in 2 Peter 1 if you fail to add these things to your faith it reveals that you become short sighted even unto blindness and you have forgotten that you've been forgiven of your sins (sighs) what gets me so excited what keeps me motivated What, what puts this passion in me I get to live every moment of my day righteous in his sight accepted as the one that he loves and he proved it and paid the price through his only son so that I could be another son that's all I know that's all I'm going to live. No one can talk me out of it. You can say anything you want about that. But I know I'm living this life. And one day I'll stand before Him and it'll all be in the light. And then some folks will go, oh, it's possible to live in righteousness. And if you live by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What's it mean? You become Spirit conscious and that thing gets crucified. And all of a sudden you can pray with boldness. My spirit is willing and my flesh has become strong. I have a spirit. I live it in my spirit. I have a soul and a body. And my body agrees with the spirit and soul in my life. Everything agrees. My flesh isn't a detriment to me. It just acts out and expresses what's inside of me. That's the way it was from the beginning. Why did God give you a body? To act out what's on the inside your flesh is not a curse. It's a tool of expression. (laughs) Your flesh is only a curse if you define it according to flesh living. But if you define your flesh according to a spirit life, it is not a curse. It's a tool of expression. Amen? You going to do receive communion and stuff today? Listen. You received communion today. I want you to understand a couple things. And Pastor Roy, I'm not trying to subvert anything. He's going to teach you. He can let her rip. I, I love this guy. He shed his blood to forgive the act of sin. And his body was beaten mercilessly and brutally to take away the penalty of sin. It's a total redemption of man. Everything that sin introduced was destroyed by the cross and resurrection of Christ. So today, I want you to eat His flesh and drink His blood from a sincere, humble heart. And as you're doing it, don't just do it to get healed or get a blessing or find grace in His sight. I want you. I want to encourage you to respond back on this Resurrection Sunday. You respond back to God. And when you take that cup and you take that bread, you look at that bread, and you from your heart, you say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I welcome you and me to teach me. As Jesus gave His body, without work, strain, or striving, I want to give mine. I want to pay back my body into this kingdom and give back what was never mine in the first place so that my life could be lived in you. And as Jesus, you gave me your body, I give you mine. As you shed your blood, I'm giving you the blood of my life and my body and I'm saying I'm yours and you're mine. We're in covenant. All that is mine is yours and all that is yours is mine. I'm not just saying forgive me. Thank you. I'm in and I'm all yours. Thanks for giving me. Thank you. You get the difference? covenant. It's all that is mine is yours. And all that is yours is mine. Two have become one. It's Christianity. It's the gospel. Let's keep preaching it clear and let's live it with power and effectiveness. And let's let the world see that God sent His Son. He is not our theology. He's our transformation of life. God bless you. Thanks for letting me be here this morning. Pastor Roy.